Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and today I am here with Chandler Benoy. Hey, hey. And one of our good friends who's been on the podcast several times now, I, I don't know what number this would be for him, but he's been on several times. Unfortunately, uh, a couple of those times, I think he's been on with Kevin Peck. Uh, but this is uh, Josh Patterson. Hey, hey, good to see y'all virtually. <laughs> um, okay, so... Uh, Josh, this is a little bit different in that um, we've had a couple pastors, uh, senior pastors, on to talk about their um, their their churches. Just given the the type of leadership structure at the Village Church, talk a little bit about um, about your role and about the Village Church. Yeah, well, first, thanks for having me on, and. Um, so the Village Church, we're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and um, currently uh, have three campuses. So part of our story is we were a multi-site church for a number of years and had a total of six campuses over the years and have been strategically transitioning those campuses off to become their own local autonomous churches. So we have been intentionally shrinking um, as a as a church, uh, which has been actually a really beautiful story and, and a, a real neat experience to lead through. So at the beginning of this year, uh, we found ourselves with two campuses left to transition off our Fort Worth campus and our South Lake campus. And um, obviously some of the conditions around that have changed with COVID, uh, but that gives you a little bit of background kind of of who we are as a church, our leadership model. We have three lead pastors, which is a little bit unique. Uh, right. So Matt Chandler, Brian Miller, and myself serve as lead pastors, and and we're peers to one another. Um, and yeah, it's it's been a good ride. We've we've been in that particular leadership model now for over a decade. So uh, it may not be a prescriptive model, but it's one that has has worked for us. And um, yeah, and then obviously COVID presents its own set of challenges, and and I'm happy to talk about where we are as it relates to campus transitions now with Fort Worth and South Lake and how we're trying to lead and manage through that. Um, but that's a little bit of context of who we are. Right. I would love if you would actually talk about that. I mean, being in that type of transition and then, you know, COVID coming along, how has that, you know, how has that affected that transition? Yeah. You know, I think the, the main thing that it has impacted is, um, momentum. And we, we had already, the way that we transition a campus off as it gets closer to its transition date, we, we begin to migrate more leadership over to the campus. Uh, so that's preaching that sermon series, and that's actually day-to-day -day leadership that, that it becomes more, um, I guess, owned by the campuses. And so right. we were in that migratory phase already. So Fort Worth and South Lake were primarily leading themselves into this transition. And uh, our, our original campus or the, the Flower Mound campus then begins to support them. Uh, so that had happened. Uh, and what they want to do as a campus is to begin to generate momentum, ownership, and buy-in from their congregation as they head towards a vote and then begin to transition into autonomy. And then with COVID, obviously the challenges of not being able to meet and then some of the messaging having to change 
disrupted the plan uh, and and hijacked a little bit of the momentum. And so a little, some of our leadership challenge has been how do we generate momentum with those campuses to still keep the timeline relatively intact? Um, and how do we prepare them for a transition? Uh, they are in all, um, for all intents and purposes, really already a local church. It was just kind of that final stage of transition and celebration uh, that we're trying to figure out how to do that in a virtual space. So for our listeners, um, I didn't mention this up front, but want to mention it now. And that is that, that Josh wrote Creature of the Word, um, the Jesus Center Church, along with Chandler, Matt Chandler, and another guy. Um, what was his name? <laughs> I can't. I, Eric Geiger. I'm a hard time. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Eric Geiger. <laughs> That's right. Um, but, you know, understanding what, like, unpack what the message of that book was. And how has it carried you guys forward into uh, into this moment? Yeah, the message of the book, I, I mean, in its simplest form is just that the gospel is to drive everything that we're to be about and to inform us and uh, and to be the lens by which uh, we view ministry and do ministry. And so uh, we want uh, our programming. We want our thinking. We want our um, our appearance. We want all of these things to be informed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and there's a lot of latitude in that. And there's contextual latitude in that. And uh, as we, as we thought about the gospel informing our hearts specifically, as it relates to campus transitions, when we were, we, we have nothing against multi-site ministry. I mean, we, we had vibrant fruit bearing multi-site ministry for a number of years, and we're still a multi-site church today. But as we were reading and working through uh, the book of Acts and, and considering what the Lord seemed to be stirring in our hearts, as we saw the church expand through the book of Acts, that it wasn't, it wasn't expanding through one church that grew increasingly larger, the church in Jerusalem, but it, it, it grew through the spreading and the forming and the establishing and the planting of new little groups and movements and churches all over. And as we thought about the gospel impetus for us with campuses, we thought we had the opportunity to leverage the platform of the village to raise up these campuses and establish them and then transition them off to become fully autonomous with localized leadership, that that would lift the contextual ceilings of those particular campuses and allow them to flourish in their context of South Lake, Fort Worth, Dallas, Plano, Denton, in ways that um, we would, we felt we were, were probably limiting them uh, if they stayed within uh, the larger ecosystem of the, of the village. Now, there's a ton of benefits uh, that they would have had had they stayed, uh, but we all felt collectively, and I remember the elder meeting when we voted on this, um, are we all in on campus transitions? And all of our elders from all of our campuses were all in. And, uh, and what informed that was a hope and a heart for the gospel message to literally spread uh, in and through our cities. And, and so that book, that's what that book was about. And that was a moment where we got to see that on display. And again, man, I, I love the multi-site church. Uh, I love the challenges and the complexities within it. And I know that those who are in multi-site ministry would say the exact same thing, that they're planting new campuses uh, to spread the name, fame, and renown of Christ. And I would just say yes and amen. 
Mm. Well, I know, of course, you all are transitioning those those multi-site campuses into autonomous churches. But with COVID, you're still trying to figure out what do you all do as a church overall <laughs> right. on Sunday mornings? How in the world do you do you navigate all this? So can you can you walk us through what current you know local regulations are in Dallas? And then what does your all's Sunday service look like right now? And how has that changed week to week for you all? Yeah, you know, Texas as of late has uh, has been in a surge. And uh, Dallas in particular has been a hotspot. And Denton County, which is where uh, our Flower Mound campus is, has uh, also been in a bit of a hotspot. So um, the numbers have been trending in all the wrong directions here, regardless of which numbers you're looking at. And um, but we're free to meet as a church. I mean, we, you know, our state government uh, has encouraged churches and and recognize our First Amendment rights to meet and to gather. And so our question uh, as it relates to meeting has not been politically motivated, um, but it's been pastorally motivated and trying to, to ask ourselves, uh, I know that we can meet, but should we meet in this particular context? And, um, and that's where our wrangle and wrestle and prayers have been uh, as we think about the context specifically of our Flower Mound campus, because it's actually going to be different as I answer it for South Lake and Fort Worth because South Lake and Fort Worth are meeting. Uh, they're also smaller campuses uh, with a little bit more room within uh, their sanctuary space to accommodate a little bit more and with the needed momentum uh, that they're gonna have to have for, for transition. They all felt it was in their best interest to continue to meet. And, and so they have met uh, really starting in the month of July on, and it's been good. The numbers have been low, uh, which is uh, what we all expected and what's been consistent with almost every pastor I've talked to. Um, but they have been encouraged in their gathering. But our Flower Mound campus, which is our original campus, and, and uh, for what most people would think of when they think about the village church, um, we decided not to meet. And that was a pastoral decision. It wasn't a political decision. And it was a pastoral decision because we thought about how do we serve our congregation, how do we serve our community, and how do we serve our staff and leadership in this particular season? And um, and we decided to postpone services indefinitely. We did target a date uh, back in, I guess it was early May or late April, that we just said, uh, we're not going to meet until July 26th. And that was, uh, I don't know when this is going to air, but uh, that's already passed us. And uh, at the beginning of July, as the numbers were surging, we just decided we're going to postpone indefinitely. And the why behind that is I think about our congregation, our community, and our staff and leadership was this. Um, we're in a particular uh, zone where the numbers are going in the wrong direction. And as a church, a church of our size, we didn't want to contribute uh, in any way to growing numbers. We felt the freedom uh, to meet. Uh, but we felt that this was a way that we could serve our community and our congregation by not meeting. Now, that's not to say that we don't uh, value uh, the gathered body, because we absolutely do. Uh, this is just a season that we find ourselves in that is pressing us uh, to find new forms of what it means to gather. And candidly, uh, those forms in many ways look like how the church has gathered since the beginning. Uh, which is in smaller groups and homes uh, mm. across a across a, a community in a city, and we've been able to leverage some technology uh, to be able to resource those homes as they meet. 
Um, but it, it's been frustrating and it's not ideal and nobody loves it, but that's, that's where we are. Uh, that was the basis of our decision. And for our staff, it allows us to take away the questions of, we're going to meet this week. Okay. Are we going to meet in two weeks? Are we going to, is it three weeks out? No. Okay. And it feels like a stutter step and it requires a lot of energy to wrangle with those questions day in and day out or week in and week out. And in a season where there's so much leader fatigue and energy being used to, to direct in new ways of ministry, just taking weekend services off the table for a season allows our energy to be directed um, towards really getting other ministries up and off the ground. Well, let, let's talk about what, um, what some of those ministries are. I, I do want to know, you know, some of the, the COVID specific ministries that have kind of uh, come out of this particular moment in time. But um, before that, what are you doing in, you know, the, the, the main areas that churches, no matter what their size, uh, what are you doing in kids ministry, student ministry and groups ministry? What, what does that look like? Well, in short, they're virtual. So we did have our kids ministry or actually our student ministry meeting in outdoor spaces over the summer. Um, and when we decided just to postpone services, we pulled back and moved those back to a virtual setting. So, um, I, I can summarize our approach to ministry right now, uh, how our resources and attention, uh, is being directed is really towards how do we do this in a digital virtual space that is meaningful and connective. And that's challenging. Uh, our group ministry, uh, the way that we've handled that is given discretion to group leaders. Uh, there are some group leaders and home groups that are perfectly fine and comfortable meeting together as a group. And they have done that all through this season. Uh, and we would say, praise the Lord. And then there are some who are not meeting, uh, at least uh, face-to-face in person. Uh, they're concerned, they're challenged. Uh, some uh, are in the high-risk category and they've just chosen to meet virtually uh, or not meet at all. And we completely understand that. So we're, we're trying to come alongside to resource and equip. And one thing that I've been really thankful for is that our, our group ministry has been woven into the fabric of our culture for years. And that has helped keep things tight uh, in, in a time when we um, are spread out and uh, and um, not able to meet in the most ideal of ways. And so uh, please don't hear me saying that, man, everybody is connecting every single week and it we haven't, we haven't missed a beat. Um, engagement's down. Engagement's different. It's challenging. Uh, the excitement uh, of online services and live streaming that was happening in March has waned as time has gone on. And so we have a lot of concerns about that. That being said, uh, those ministries, specifically our group ministry, um, has has been a real uh, a, a real saving grace. Um, a weakness for us. I'm just going to keep talking. Sorry. A weakness that I think has been uh, exposed for us is we we need we need to have a stronger. Uh, digital presence for our kids and families. And, um, and we're putting a lot of attention and resources towards that. 
So when, when you say that, was that something that, you, of course, COVID revealed that, but would you say that's something you need to do even post COVID-19 or that's, hey, just in response to this, we need to get our game uh, ramped up on that area? Yeah, it's, it's both. And I anticipate that we will continue to resource families and kids digitally post COVID. Um, and those, you know, if I'm thinking about where we are right now and the questions that COVID has brought up for us, um, if there's a strategy that we lacked, it was our digital strategy. Um, and, and we were just having to ask questions and uh, face into some realities around our digital presence. Um, and it's not so much our digital presence as we think about who may be uh, checking out resources beyond our community, but how do we invite people from our community into our space virtually? And how do we resource them? How do we, how do we have new guests come in through that space? Um, and we trust that we're not going to be in this space forever, but but COVID has allowed us to ask some questions uh, that, that we didn't feel the same burden to answer before like we do now. Well, one of the things that um, we partner with, with you and Kevin Peck on is, is the strategic leadership community. And you all uh, have cohorts of, of church leaders across the nation come together <laughs> before COVID. It was, you know, meeting together in person. Right. And you, you all challenge leaders to think strategically and to, to walk them through uh, a framework and, and content to be able to do that and then take it back to their churches. What, what advice would you share <laughs> to listeners right now how to think strategically during this time and be able to lead their church in the right direction? Yeah, well, that's I think it's vital and I think it's uh, it's super important. The, the energy that we all felt at the beginning of the pandemic, so if we just kind of say mid-March uh, to the end of March, everyone was on a mad dash to get through it. And um, it was exhausting. It was tiring. It, it was energizing in a sense. It was exciting. Uh, but it was fast and furious. It felt like information changed, um, you know, every six minutes, uh, which I guess that trend has held true. But um it, there was an energy and a buzz to it at the beginning. Well, that has given way to a longstanding reality that this context is, is here for a while. I don't know how long, uh, but it's been here longer than, than I have wanted. Um, and so in light, in light of the fact that this isn't a two week or a two month reality, but now we're in month four, month five, uh, and the end of it, uh, it is not necessarily in the near term. I think leaders have to slow down and begin to do some of the difficult strategic work and strategic work is you can't do it in a hurry and you can't do it when you're sprinting, you have to make space for it. And that honestly was one of the reasons that we decided not to rush back to services and to give ourselves a runway um, to strategically prepare for what this season may actually entail. And there's a ton of unknowns around it, but the reality is it's, it's been here longer than we want and it may go on longer than we want. Uh, and so not having the focus of, are we going to meet? Are we not going to meet has allowed us space uh, to give some strategic energy and attention to some of the questions that we're trying to address. I think that's a really great analogy. 
especially, I mean, March when, when this all happened, you know, we've talked to other pastors and they were like, well, I just recorded a video to invite people to our services. And then all of a sudden I had to record another one, letting them know we postponed it. And a lot of churches, like you said, sprinted to figure out what that option was going to be. And like you said, you can only sprint for so long. And I, I think so many are feeling that and they're feeling exhausted. So I think if you're listening to this, just hear the freedom of what Josh said is to slow down and to take some time to strategically think about this. So thanks for that word, Josh. Yeah. So so let us in a little bit into your own strategic thinking uh, and you know, let, kind of share with us what are what are the biggest challenges that you all are facing and what are you doing to overcome these challenges? Well, we've actually, uh, in a couple of weeks, we, we have time set aside for a pretty in-depth strategic session. And, um, and so we will take a two and a half day deep dive that is entirely focused around a contextual strategy, um, for the next, you know, kind of the short term of maybe the next year, uh, looking forward to the next five years. And that's a discipline uh, that our, our leadership team has maintained, and it feels unbelievably timely right now. So we are preparing for that as a leadership team right now. And uh, we're doing some of the pre-work that would be involved with that and, and getting ready to meet here uh, in mid-August. There has been many sessions of that work that has been going on uh, that we've had to, we've just had to make space for. So we have increased the time that our executive team meets and the duration of those meetings. And so we're meeting more frequently and more often. And, um, and some of it has been exactly the opposite of what I said, being able to slow down to do the work. Uh, some of it has been trying to do the work on the fly, um, just out of necessity, while also realizing we can't do it this way and do it well forever. Um, and so... Um, the, the analogy that I've been using, I, I, I don't know how many of y'all have seen band of brothers, uh, which was a HBO series about, um, world war two. And, uh, it's, it's a fantastic series uh, and I'll, I'll use it here just as a, as like a leadership, um, parallel for us, the leadership that was required for uh, the allied forces to prepare for D-Day. And when they were, and when D-Day happened and they, they jumped out of those planes and, and they stormed the beach, I mean, it, the, the level of intensity was crazy and, and it was profound. It just, but you can't live in that intensity and the war didn't live in that intensity. It moved to a different front. And when I think about COVID, I've seen COVID move in a different front to a different front where it feels like we're, we're, we're not under siege, but it, it has stalled out with all of the tension still around. And, um, and if you, if you know anything about band of brothers, you know, of course it's not all about D-Day. They move and they eventually find themselves in a winter type season uh, under siege in Baston. And they're there for a long period of time. They're under-resourced. And, uh, their, their captain who becomes a major, uh, major Richard winners has to change his leadership style to continue to motivate the troops to not forget, um, that they're, uh, that they've got to still be engaged, that they've still got to stay sharp. And, 
and I have just found those parallels to be um, pretty striking for us in this. Uh, so there's a lot of troop morale, so to speak, that's required in this season, especially as it drags on. Yeah, just just going just going off that analogy just a little bit. Uh, you, you mentioned earlier, and this is probably the case, you know, churchwide uh, across you know the nation that your engagement, digital engagement has gone down. You know, at the beginning, everybody was, hey, we're going to jump online and we're going to watch our church services online. Well, now it's, man, we've been doing this for a while. It's, we're ready to be back in person. So that may have dipped down. And, and going back to your analogy of D-Day, the goal and what what, what was a win was different when you're under siege, right? Yep. So yep. The goal changes. And for you all, from March until now, the goal somewhat has changed, but what are you doing to share with your team and, and keep their eyes on the goal? Of course, the mission of the church is to make disciples, but when the engagement is running low on your digital services, kind of where are you leading your team in that? How are you letting them know this is a different season? This is what we need to be focusing on right now. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. And that, that change in focus has been the type of leadership that I'm trying to bring to our team. Um, which is, man, the energy was high and there was a buzz early on and everyone was super excited as we were kind of navigating the crisis. And then now, you know, the phrase is basically, I'm so over it. I'm just, Mm -hmm. I am so over it. But here's the reality. It doesn't matter if you're so over it because it's not over. Uh, (laughs) it, It doesn't matter if you wish it was like the good old days because it's not. It doesn't matter if you really long for a new normal because we're not there yet. Um, and so what I don't want to do is I don't want to brush over or blow past the need to lament the loss that is present in this context. Cause there is, whether that's the loss of um, somebody not being able to uh, have their senior uh, graduation ceremony, the way that they wanted it or a birthday party or the loss of loved ones. I mean, it's all across the board. There are losses that are stacked up. So I don't want to gloss over the lament that is necessary in this season. I also don't want to find myself um, in a corner trying to simply survive and not thinking about how do I thrive in this season? Like the Lord, the Lord still calls me to abide in his son. Uh, the mission is still moving forward. God's people have faced wars and pandemics and persecutions since the beginning. How do we in this moment not miss the fact of what Paul says in Romans chapter five, that, that this suffering produces character and character produces endurance and endurance, or I got the order wrong, endurance, character, character uh, produces hope and hope doesn't disappoint because the spirit affirms in our hearts. Um, and so there is a work that is happening right now in me, in us as a staff, in us as a church, in us as a community. And if I simply find myself wishing for a bygone day or a future day, then I miss where the Lord is working and he's working right now, like in this day. And so that's the reminder for my own heart, for my own family, uh, for our staff and, and for our church. Like the gospel's moving forward and I want to be a part of that. And there is a thousand things to lament and there are a thousand things to rejoice in. And the people of God at any given time, 
should be mourning with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. And there are things to rejoice about. We just commissioned uh, a family on our last Sunday to send them out as missionaries to the ends of the earth. Let's rejoice about that. We have parents and kids coming to faith in Christ in this season. Let's rejoice about that. We have churches and church planners who are coming to our residencies and churches being planted. Let's rejoice about that. Uh, and then let's mourn where we need to mourn. But I, I just don't want to get stuck in the woe is us reality. Um, and, and, and I'm either stuck in the past or stuck in the future, but I'm not really where I am, which is in the present. I just think that that is, uh, it's such a great thing to hear that, you know, when you, when you look at the things that we are called to, it is the, it it is leading through this present moment. And one of the things I love about, uh, about my relationship with you and, and Kevin Peck and what you guys do with SLC is these are guys that continue to stay with you. You kind of have a, uh, an ever increasing family. What are some of the things that you've, what's, what are some of the best stories that you've seen come out of that community of, of pastors? Cause these are like-minded guys that are in a cohort together for a year and you've done multiple years of that now, but I know some of them personally, and I know that they still interact with you and each other. Um, so, is there anything uh, out of that that you would you would want to share obstacles overcome or any cool stories? Yeah, I mean, there, there's a ton of cool stories and there's hard stories and uh, encouraging stories. So with these with these cohorts, you know, our current cohorts for 2020, man, everything's changed. Everything's changed for how we do this and approach this. And and they have been so flexible and gracious as we've tried to navigate uh, how to move this to a virtual setting. Um, and, but we have people in this year's cohort from Canada, from Singapore, from uh, the West coast and the East coast and all across the U S. So I, I just feel so privileged that I've, I've been able from day one as, as we're talking COVID to hear from pastors and leaders literally across the country uh, and to hear the challenges and to hear how they're navigating, uh, to hear how they're uh, addressing the issues and uh, to hear what the Lord has been doing. And, and it has created an empathetic heart uh, in me. And I know in Kevin as well, just to know what, uh, what this kind of small sample of leaders are doing. I, we, I, I just feel privileged to be able to consistently uh, be on a call um, with 40 some leaders that helps shape my paradigm that helps shape my understanding. Um, you know, early on in the pandemic, we had uh, a couple of pastors and leaders from, uh, one from Brooklyn and, and a couple from New Jersey, and they were in the throes of, of an outbreak. And this was early and it was scary. And just to watch them lead, um, with grace and diligence and, and also being able to kind of walk through some of their own fears and, and to watch these other pastors and leaders step in to encourage and uh, it's been great. Uh, and then we've also, 
uh, we've also had some some real hardships and real tragedy. You know, um, John Powell uh, was uh, in one of our cohorts this year, and John was a dear friend of mine and uh, has had just planted Emmanuel Baptist Church and uh, in New Caney, Texas. And I'm sure the story will be familiar to a lot of a lot of listeners. But he was tragically killed um, in a traffic accident as he was laying down his life to serve strangers um, and, um, and to watch, to watch these people who knew John uh, just briefly to be able to lament together and pray together. And um, so we, we've had hard stories. We've had beautiful stories. Um, and, you know, every year it's been like that, Todd. I mean, you've, you've got to see this and see the fruit of it. Um, I've got a call uh, that's been a regular call, which is some SLC alum who have gone through it. And we're just coming back together, just sharing best, best practices and how we can encourage one another. And, and another byproduct has just been the relationships, uh, not just that I have formed with these folks or Kevin has formed with these folks, but that they have formed with one another. Uh, and so it's, it's just deeply encouraging. Um, and it's, it's definitely widened my perspective and, and given me an empathy uh, and an appreciation for the church. Well, Josh, thankful for uh, for you and Kevin for for stewarding though that community and, and being able to connect those pastors together. It is a great resource, and if that's something that you want to check out, you can go to leadership.lifeway.com/slc to learn more. Josh, one more question for you before uh, we go: how how have you all adapted your existing volunteer or staff responsibilities to meet the current ministry needs? So, have you guys? maybe done a restructuring of staff? What is What do volunteer roles look like during this time, especially since you all are still so digital? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, no, we have not restructured our staff. Um, we, we actually did a staff restructuring in 2019. Um, and I, you know, I failed to mention this at the beginning, but uh, as I was giving the context, but we were preparing and had just come out with a new mission, a new vision statement. And we're moving towards um, building a new facility uh, with an entirely uh, new project that we were excited about. And 2020 was to be, uh, we, we had already started the sermon series um, that, that went through um, <laughs> really through March, which is crazy. And, um, and we, we actually decided not to move forward with it. So, um, which is we feel good about the decision. We feel like it was a right decision. We feel like a grace of the Lord in that. Um, but we had restructured to prepare for that new movement and that new vision. So we have not restructured in this season. What this season has afforded our staff to do, and I would say by and large, I, I'm confident there are some of our staff that, um, that don't feel like they have as much, uh, clear purpose for their role right now. Um, and so I don't want to, I don't want to pretend that that's not the case, but by and large, this has allowed some of our team to catch up and work on some projects, whether it's curriculum revisions, uh, preparing resources, things that, that have been in the hopper that you can kind of give attention to in the margins that has allowed our staff to give more dedicated attention to, which was needed and necessary. And so we're thankful for that. And then we've also been thinking about ways that we can connect and, and, um, and get with our members, whether it's digitally or on the phone. And so we did a big 
member call campaign where we called all of our members and, and worked through that list of close to 4,000 people and, uh, and contacted and called each and every one of them. That, that took a, a pretty good deal of time uh, to do that. And, um, but it was, it was a beautiful time. And Todd, you were asking about stories earlier. Every week in our staff meeting, we would share stories from those that we had talked to in the previous week. And it was really profound. Um, it was really encouraging just to see what the Lord had been doing and, and the timing of those calls, just in his sovereign goodness that you'd call the right person at the right time to talk about the right thing. And, um, so as a staff, that's where a lot of our attention uh, has been and, and we're hustling. Um, we are definitely hustling. Um, in terms of volunteers, it's just been tricky and, uh, uh, it shouldn't come as any surprise that we have less people engaged in volunteerism because we have less opportunities for volunteers to be engaged. So our welcome team and our connections ministry, which consists of hundreds of volunteers, uh, it, it's, we don't have a parking ministry right now. Uh, we don't have a welcome table right now. We don't have ushers and, and greeters right now. Uh, and so just this past weekend, actually our, we did a video where, uh, it was just a splicing of different kind of familiar faces from our welcome team and our parking team that just, uh, did their roles from their house. So there were cars that were parked in their driveways and ushers taking them to the couch in their home. It was just like, Hey, welcome to TBC at home, which was really fun and really just a life giving video, but, but our engagement's down because the need is down. And so we're trying to figure out ways to keep people engaged, uh, in, in a season that is so tempting to not be engaged. And that's not just a village church reality. As I've talked to literally hundreds of pastors and leaders, um, uh, across this country, that is a reality that they are facing. Um, how do we keep people engaged um, when the temptation is to disengage and to check out? And so we're talking about it. I don't know that I have a great solution for it. Uh, and partly because the needs aren't as relevant and aren't as high. So we're trying to connect with our body um, in new ways and in different ways. That, that definitely is the question right now. And I, we know that pastors and church leaders across the country are trying to figure that out. And that's why we have invited Josh and other pastors and church leaders onto the podcast to, to share about what they're doing at their church, because we do know that this is a challenging season to, to figure out how do you keep people engaged? How do you respond quickly in the midst of this type of crisis? So we do hope this has been helpful to you and to your church as you are navigating this COVID-19 crisis. And Josh, thanks for, for joining us and walking us through how the village is responding. Uh, it really was helpful. Well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate you guys. Oh, absolutely. Well, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you.